If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome. You are listening to Haunted Histories on Paranormal UK Radio. Hello and welcome to this issue of Haunted Histories here exclusively for you on Paranormal UK Radio. I hope you're keeping well. Um, We've got some beautiful weather at the moment in the UK, although I can tell you that tonight it's so muggy, I think my sweat is sweating. Oh, I wish we had air conditioning in the UK at times like this, I really do. But apart from that, apart from that... Um, I hope everyone is keeping well. Now, I have got some absolutely amazing guests lined up for you this year. I mean, you've already heard quite a few of them um, already. Um, People like Nick Groth, the Are You Haunted team. We have Bill from Australian Paranormal Society. Um, And that's just a few of them. They've been amazing so far this year on Haunted Histories. But today's guest, this lady is the epitome of cool she really is not only is she gorgeous and eloquent she's got that beautiful southern accent from tennessee she rides a gorgeous motorbike and i've just found out as well we have the same taste in music in fact we've been talking for nearly an hour about rock music it is the one the only miranda young of ghost biker explorations how are you miss cool 
I'm good, Penny. How are you? I'm all right. I am. My sweat is sweating. We don't do air conditioning in the UK, and it is really muggy tonight. And and oh. I'm sitting here like I've already had two showers today. I might have to have a third. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know how the southern heat is down here. So, you know, I can completely uh, understand what you're going through. It's it's been pretty miserable, and we're going some through some of our hottest times right now as yeah. well. I mean, I love the hot weather. Don't get me wrong. I, I even though I I burn quite easy, I love sun. I love heat, but it's it's. I think we've got a storm brewing, and it's and say we don't have air conditioning in the UK. So, it, but as a, in houses anyway. So, um, it's it's fans on and and everything else. But I can't have a fan running when I'm recording because <laughs> you get this noise in the background so um i'm suffering for my art miranda i'm suffering so you're, for my you're art. literally putting your sweat into this interview literally <laughs> no blood <laughs> just sweat yes <laughs> just sweat <laughs> i like it i like it well i introduced you as i mean you are ghost biker explorations you're also very good friends with another incredibly cool chick chris sumner of soul sisters paranormal yes. i know the two of you do a lot of work she's another biker chick and i mean she's a doctor isn't she is that right she's a doctor she is she is yes and we actually we actually met through the paranormal which um she's one of my best friends and uh we we did a couple investigations together uh but she is a doctor and we found we both have this love for motorcycles and yeah. uh, she often will uh, go on some different adventures with me when we're in the same area on our motorcycles. So, uh, wow. yeah, she's a really awesome chick. She's very cool. She is very, very cool as well. Because I know I got introduced to the two of you is actually through... Um, Courtney, Dee Dee and Sarah Jane at um, Haunt Mess because they'd interviewed me and then I think they interviewed you and I think it was Sarah SJ was sort of saying you two of you have got to meet the, you know you're two very cool chicks you've got to meet and so we just started chatting online I don't know if you remember this we started chatting online but it was thanks to them and then I think Chris came along and they were like you've got to get to know Chris as well I was like okay okay it's like it feels like a dating agency here but Go, yeah, this is very cool. This is very cool. And absolutely. And yeah, I think, you know, that's like I said, that's what I say about the paranormal being so awesome is I've met uh, some of the people who are my best friends in the world mm. by doing the paranormal. Yep. So uh, and especially other females, it's yep. it's really cool with uh, the hot, hot mess and uh, Courtney and Dee Dee and, and Sarah Jane. You know, they've they do so much to build yeah. up other females very, in this yeah. in this uh, industry. So so it's yeah. very cool. And we did this. Uh, we did Courtney's um, Paracon a few months ago yes. as well you we were both on that as well and it's 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 great to see women building up other women rather than Absolutely. trying to tear them down which you can you can see and i one of the things i love about it is it's it's international you know especially with things like social media and everything we can connect internationally now and and you know i can ask you what it's like at your neck of the woods you can ask me what it's like here and share information and share knowledge and it's it's got to be a good thing Absolutely. It's, it's a beautiful thing, um, because of 
them and that Paracon, I've actually been able to connect with some, some really amazing folks mm. from uh, the UK that I hadn't had the opportunity to, to talk to before then and really learning about what they do and following their stuff. And there's some, there's some amazing people over there doing some really cool things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I had a, I had a bit of a nose on your, your, your website. And if anyone goes onto the website, there is an amazing photo of Miranda. You've got to, you've got to see this photo. Um, I was complimenting her on it before we came, came on air. It's, it's, it's stunning. Now, one of the things you mentioned was, you like things to be creepy beautiful when you do because you do photography that's one of your 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 hobbies what do you mean by creepy beautiful well you know that's kind of how ghost biker explorations actually started out Um, i have a background in photography Mm -hmm. and when i wasn't out investigating you know i'm traveling to all these amazing locations and you know, the first thing I do is pull out my camera. And mm-hmm. so um, a lot of the, the images that I try to capture, you know, I've, I really try to uh, my, my technique is, is bringing out the color in it, but also bringing out the uh, very dark areas mm-hmm. in there to kind of create sort of a surreal look to these, these photographs. And so uh, um, I, I, I would call them creepy beautiful to where uh, a lot of people were just like, you know, I, I really want to step into this photo and go to this, this location. Uh, I'm real intrigued by it. It was, it was real captivating was a lot of the uh, feedback that I was getting mm-hmm. and it was because of the style that I was doing on the photographs. And so I try to uh, c- capture that the, the beautifulness of, of what's there and, and adding the color, but then also uh, bringing out the beauty of the dark by, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of highlighting the creepiness of it. Uh, and so that, that was sort of the idea behind that photo shoot. Um, obviously we did a lot of shots with myself and, and, uh, my bike, but, um, we wanted to do that in, in the cemetery by marrying the, the creepiness of the cemetery, but also, also the beautifulness of shooting it during the golden hour mm-hmm. and, coupling that with sort of a gothic style dress so Mm. uh, that photo shoot was to sort of mirror my photography that that I put out there okay okay well one of the other things you say uh, one of your hobbies um and I've got to ask what's jeeping jeeping is uh it's I guess or or as we say here in the south jeeping um (laughs) if, if I'm going somewhere that I can't get to on my motorcycle, um, I like to take my Jeep. Uh, I'm an avid, uh, you know, avid motorcycle rider, but also when, when I'm not on the bike, uh, I'm out on in my Jeep and, uh, I'll take that back into some of the, uh, back mountain roads that I can't take the bike and get to ah. some really isolated areas. Ah, okay. So like four wheel drive, sort of exploration-y yes. type thing. Oh, I see. Okay. I wondered yes, if it was that, riding. but I wasn't sure. I mean, that yes. sounds a lot of fun. That does sound a lot of fun, using the proper four-wheel drive. So when did you first get into bikes? I've been riding for about 10 years now. Um, I always had a passion for motorcycles and always wanted to ride, 
but my parents were not bikers mm-hmm. and they weren't too keen on the idea of, of me getting getting a motorcycle uh, back when I was younger. Uh, I grew up in an area that was very popular with uh, ATV riding mm-hmm. and off-road uh, dirt bikes, four-wheelers, uh, razors, that sort of thing. That was really big up there. And there was there were always a lot of accidents. A lot of uh, folks that I went to school with had lost some classmates and stuff in different accidents like that. So my, my parents were not very fond of allowing us to do that sort of thing growing up. And mm-hmm. so um, when I was uh, 29, I was I finally decided, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to ride and I'm just I'm just going to do it. Life is too short. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went and took the uh, motorcycle safety course and have been on the back of a bike since. Um, I've, I've only actually ever ridden passenger on a motorcycle twice. But, uh, oh. yeah, now every opportunity I get, uh, I'm, I'm out on that motorcycle. And so I've been I've been riding for uh, almost 11 years now. Or, wow. Yeah, 11 years, almost 12 years. Wow. Well, it's a, it's a very gorgeous bike because it's a Harley Davidson Yes, 883 iron. Yeah. Uh, the one that I have, uh, it's a Sportster, mm. and it's a throwback to the 69 model, uh, kind of the bobber style. I, I'm not a big chrome person, so yeah. this one has the, uh, it's the matte black. Everything is black on it. It's and a very sexy machine, and it sounds it amazing. <laughs> yes, I I, I I love it, you know, whether I'm going to an investigation or just, just out riding. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely the best kind of stress relief you can find. I think I told you that I showed a picture of it to my, I think I showed a video of you riding it to my 10 year old son and his eyes just yes. lit up and he was like, Whoa, cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, he, he was, and he was like, that's a girl riding it. I went, yes, mate, it's a girl. And he went, wow. Um, yeah, he's, it, it's, it is a very, it's a very, very sexy bike. And I, I can imagine sometimes if you've got your, your like your leathers on and you turn up and you take your helmet off, people do go, what? <laughs> a bit, don't they? They do. And, you know, it's it's funny you say that because um, little girls especially, and, and that just makes my heart smile because, you know, it is it is an empowering thing. Yeah. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've either been going down the road and somebody honk at me and I look over and it's women, you know, with their, their thumbs up yeah. or waving and saying awesome. Uh, I had a really cool experience uh, not too long ago. I stopped at the gas station and was fueling up and I hopped off the bike and I took my helmet off and you know it's the same situation uh they saw was a girl and and uh this this lady walks up to me with her little girl and she's like uh, she just wanted me to tell you hi and that she just sat there and she was as soon as I took my helmet off she's like mommy it's a girl (laughs) and she was just going on and on about the bike and so I talked to her for a few minutes but uh she said whenever uh she was getting she's like mommy it's 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 Wonder Woman (laughs) oh that's gorgeous it was was the sweetest thing but but it's really cool to see um young young girls and other ladies that uh you know think it's cool and and uh, feel empowered by it yeah definitely definitely I mean I do admit I tend to I tend to ride pillion because I'm only five foot two at a stretch (laughs) and I I can't touch the floor on big bikes um or I can't I can't actually lean forward 
and touch the floor um, and I've dropped so many trying to ride sort of 500cc bikes that I kind of the husband's a good rider I just I'd go on the back and let him ride but we are still trying to find one that's a bit small enough for me to ride but big enough because he's 510 but not to be too small <laughs> for him uh, it'll, it'll happen one day it will happen one day but until then I just I just sit on the back I'm quite I'm quite a good little pillion rider um, <laughs> well it's tough because I, I, I'm actually quite tall I'm, I'm six foot and so um, I can ride just about any bike without any issues <laughs> but I've got a couple <laughs> girlfriends who are who are smaller that will ride with me and uh, they uh, they've had to have uh, one in particular she's just barely over five foot and yeah. she has um, had to have her bikes modified a little bit just to fit and and I just don't understand sometimes, you know, because my legs have saved me so many times, yeah. you know, at a red light or, you know, slip or something, been able to put those legs down. And I couldn't imagine I'll see them roll up to the red light on their little tippy toes. And I'm just like, ooh, I don't, I don't understand. That's what, terrifi- <laughs> that's what terrifies me about riding a big bike myself because I don't feel safe, you know, balancing on my tiptoes. I know a lot of people do it, but... um you know, if I've spent all those thousands of pounds on a bike, I don't want to drop it. Um, the the uh, say the but one day, one day, I still I still love them and I just admire them without actually riding one. But it's yours is incredibly cool. And if people want to see it, they can go to your YouTube channel, can't they, and see you riding in Ghost Bikers Absolutely. Explorations. Yes, they're on the YouTube or on uh, the Facebook. Either one. Uh, okay. Okay, so you're in Tennessee, in one yep. of the southern southern states. What are your favorite places to investigate in Tennessee? Which places make you go, oh, when you know you're going there? Oh, man. You know, there's so many here in Tennessee. Um, I would probably have to say the ones that just really piqued my interest and and have just been incredible investigations would have to be... Um, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. That's good. Uh, That's a good one. Because we're going to be talking about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, they're in Petros, um, <clears throat> Hell's Bar Dam, which is in Guild, Tennessee, yep. and uh, Old South Pit uh, Hospital is is probably three of my favorites. Again, there are so many and, and a whole lot of little small places. Yeah. Um, but those are definitely three of the larger ones that um, I really enjoy going to. This really shows my sort of lack of geography. Not I forgot OSPH and Hell's Bar were in Tennessee because they're two that fascinate me as well when I've seen programs on them. Um, yes. I keep forgetting that. So can we go and visit those when I come to come to come over to play? Can we go and visit those Absolutely. too? Absolutely. Awesome. Those are, those are only a little over an hour from where I live. So awesome. I can take you there as well as like I said, there's there are a lot of, of small places yeah. that uh, don't have the recognition that uh, these larger ones do. And, um, you know, but those those three that I mentioned are ones that I've investigated on multiple occasions that mm-hmm. that just they just don't disappoint. I mean, there's just so much activity that I usually <clears throat> excuse me, I usually get something every time I go. Wow. Well, one of the ones you mentioned of the three, which is lucky because this is what we're going to talk about, was Brushy Mountain State Penit- yes. Penitentiary. Um, 
Now, one of the things that amazed me about this place when I started doing, and I, I'd heard of it, because when you said that it was one of your places you'd visited a lot, I was like, great, because I've been wanting to do a show on this, this place for a very, very long time. And you've had some mm-hmm. amazing and quite quite scary experiences there. I'm thinking about the voice when you were asleep in that cell, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I was quite surprised to hear that it was built in 1896, and it was literally a giant wooden shack for about yes. 30, well, 30, about 39, 38 years. And I'm thinking a load of prisoners in a wooden building, not going to be the greatest of sort of safety aspects, I would have said. Exactly. But then to only find out, and this really shocked me, it only shut down 11 years ago. Yes. That blew my mind. It, I, I wondered. I thought it had been like one of those ones that had been shut down since the nineties, maybe. You know, been a tourist attraction for sort of twenty odd years, but no, it only shut. Uh, the sort of prisoners were only moved out of there in two thousand and nine. Yes. So for a, a lot of people, locals, they remember it being a full blown prison. Yes, and it was such. It, it was such an important place for the economy of that of that little town mm. uh, that when it shut down i mean it, there was a lot of people that were lost because you know generations of folks um worked that lived there in petros and in the surrounding areas they worked there all their life and mm. just you know through the, throughout the generations had worked there um so so yeah it was actually a big blow to the economy and to that town when things shut down. So when it actually opened back up as a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as a tourist attraction, mm. um, that was actually really cool because it did bring jobs back to the community. And they actually have, as far as, as uh, their tour guards and stuff, they have either ex-prisoners or um, ex-correction uh, officers mm. and guards that run the tours there at the prison. Yeah, which is pretty cool pretty cool um although i do wonder sometimes you you, the stories you get from one side and the other won't always tally shall we say (laughs) um i know when i I visited out i visited alcatraz and there was one of the the remaining former guards who'd just written a book and he was there signing and i sort of went up and asked him a couple of questions like did the hole really exist and he looked at me he's like no of course it didn't well i i found the the where it would have been and I found it on the maps where it would have been and he was like oh no no it never existed it never existed I was thinking yeah you're telling us what we're supposed to hear not what sometimes it can be a bit um, whereas if I'd met a former prisoner they'd have probably pointed to it and gone yes it was down there we all knew it was down there um, but, but uh, it's, it's, it's always good to you know give local people the work back so here you've got this place that was, was a prison almost a hundred and 13 years obviously it had a few years when it shut down for a while when they were should we say investigating some of the misdemeanors that were going on there Mm -hmm. um it was actually built which i found this this blew me away because i didn't actually know this until i started researching it but it was actually built so that the prison service could in effect have their own mine wasn't it because they'd been using the prisoners as as if you like convict labor on the mines yes and then you had what was called the coal creek war where yes. the, the 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 i think free miners for want of a better term those who were being paid to do the job 
were and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this they were campaigning against it because they were like hey these guys are taking our jobs we've got families to feed they're incarcerated why should they get priority over us for want of a better term Um, and so they, they stopped using the prisoners as free miners but then decided to build Brushy Mountain Mine and Prison in the area that it's in in Petros Am I correct? Yes. That's correct? That Yes, that is correct. Um, yeah, in, uh, I believe it was uh, 1891 was when they had that uprising there at Coal Creek because that entire area uh, is mining community. I mean, because, yeah. you know, when you look at the ge- geography of the prison, you know, it's nestled right there in uh, the mountains there in Walden's Ridge. And... Um, one of the things that I cover on my episode <clears throat> is I talk about the Devil's Triangle, yeah. which is a very cool ride. It's a very dangerous ride. It's, it's one of the most dangerous areas there uh, on a motorcycle. That whole area it runs through the mountains where there were a lot of coal mining towns and such. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you could I could probably spend an entire season just talking about some of the different locations and things that happened just on that road alone. And, um, yeah, there was a, the little town of uh, Fratersville. They actually had, uh, I don't remember the year on this, but they had a mine explosion that killed all of the men in the town except for three. Oh my gosh. And just totally wiped out all the men in this one town. And so, um, so yes, there's actually a cemetery there that's got monuments to, um, the miners that were, were killed during the Coal, Coal Creek uprising of, of 1891. And there was several skirmishes that, that came about in that protest um, against the state leasing uh, prisoners to the mines. And if I'm not mistaken, at one time, they had actually, the miners, um, one of the battles, they actually loaded up several hundred of the miners and I mean, uh, several hundred of the prisoners and the um, prison guards and put them on a train and shipped them off to Brasville. And so uh, between the miners, the local militia and the um, prisoners and prison guards, they were able to uh, get the uh, Tennessee legislature to abolish the uh, act of leasing prisoners um, in the late 1890s. And you're, you're correct. That's when they built the uh, the prison in order yeah. to do that. Yeah. Do you, th- I mean, I, I didn't know what you were saying about the Devil's Triangle, the fact that all the, the, the different mining villages that surround it have all yes. had some pretty dark stuff happen. Is that why yes. it's called the Devil's Triangle? Or do people think that area is cursed? Or... Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure why it's called that. Um, but, um, it, there, there are a lot of things. I mean, just, just along that, that, uh, route, there are abandoned mining camps. Um, there's an abandoned school that's said to be haunted and then just several towns. I mean, that, that whole mountainside there is, is littered with mines that, um, are shut down for, for whatever reason. And some of those mm. mines actually still have 
bodies, you know, inside them because they were so deep in there, they weren't able to get them out. But um, it is definitely, I'm not exactly sure why it's called uh, the Devil's Triangle, but it's, you know, as far as like the the switchbacks and the curves and everything, Mm. those are our... uh, pretty intense curves but then also Mm. like there's sections where the road just if you're not riding in a technical manner and not paying attention you can run off the edge because there's no shoulder on the edge what was kind of crazy when i was filming that is my um clutch went uh not my clutch but the uh, yeah my clutch went out it it um or i'm sorry my throttle my throttle came loose while I was riding and I was having to, I was having to, if I would come off of the throttle, it was sticking. And so I couldn't slow down and I was having to hit these curves with, with my uh, clutch pulled in clutch on most of those and kind of feather it going around these curves. Because when I would come off the throttle at times, if I didn't kind of adjust my throttle manually, I would just take off and I couldn't slow down. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that was paranormal, but anyone that's, that's an investigator knows how things will mess with your equipment and different, uh, bizarre things can happen on an investigation. So I've had things happen when we're filming. And so that was just kind of a, a weird little thing that just sort of added, uh, a little more danger to the ride that, um, you know, it, it was, it was quite an uncomfortable ride on that one, even though it's, it's, it's a pleasurable, beautiful area yeah. um, that I've ridden many, many times that one particular time. I don't know what happened. Uh, I hit a bump, uh, because again, the road is, is, is pretty rough, but I hit a bump and that throttle stuck and I had to just keep manually adjusting it. I mean, it, it scared me pretty bad. And did it unstick itself when you got to the the end of the dry ride? I had to end up pulling off, and uh, the 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 uh, cord, or not the cord, but the uh, tube that goes down there. Yeah, it was somehow catching, and I was able to pull that and sort of manually adjust it, and it it stayed it stayed in position at that point, and I was able to use it. Wow, I do. I do wonder if local folklore would sort of say that the place has got some kind of curse on it or something. It, I mean, obviously, I'm talking. I'm just speculating, but mm-hmm. to have that many deaths in and and accidents, and I mean, yes, mining, mining still is a dangerous thing. And I mean, it was more even more so a hundred years ago without the safety aspects we have now. Um, but there must be an awful lot of um, bitter energy, shall we say, especially miners who maybe were caved in and then weren't rescued because people couldn't get down to them and had to 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 die entombed. Almost, uh, I just, absolutely. I just, yeah, I just wonder just... how much negative sort of energy is 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 permeating through the 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 land in that area. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I could totally see that and you know, it's it's definitely one of those rides that's that's um billed as, you know, a very exciting and, mm. and beautiful ride to uh, go through the mountains here in Tennessee. It's very it's very well known mm. throughout the country, but 
um, I definitely, I say this in my video and, and I would say to uh, anybody else that it's like, to me, it's one of my favorites, but mm. it's definitely for an experienced writer because, yeah. you know, there's times that road is shut down because of uh, rock slides and yeah. different things happening. Um, but you definitely have to be on the lookout because it, it is not a uh, ride for the faint of heart by mm. no means. Yeah, no, it, it's it's beautiful. I mean, say I've watched a video on it, and it's it's definitely beautiful. But yes, it's not one you'd you'd want to do if you were a bit nervous, and it's also not one you'd want to do with your throttle stuck open. So um, no, yeah, yeah. Well, well done for making it in one piece. Um, so uh, so so we've got we've got this this prison that's been built. As I've said, it was built out of wood, and it wasn't until 1934 it it became stone. For, for want of a better term um and uh, you know it was used as a mine and i believe from from the records i've seen from the financial records i saw in newspapers and stuff that it was quite profitable it did produce a reasonable amount of money for the state in the area mm-hmm. but it was also rife with disease um and whether that disease was um what they call black lung which apparently was a, a typical miners thing cause they didn't have breathing apparatus and all that kind of you know the thing that we, we would expect now but also the common diseases of the time uh tuberculosis or consumption is it um white death was another one it was called typhoid pneumonia obviously no antibiotics in those days even syphilis which mm-hmm. is a sexually transmitted disease so i would hope they'd gone in with it um mm-hmm. but who knows who knows um people were dying from that but also i read reports of people being dying from being flogged to death in the yard yeah exactly uh and and you know when i was there the yard was definitely a very active place because of that the the prisoners had a quota that they had to make Mm. and if they didn't make that quota they would end up being beaten and then Mm. they would have to make the next day's quota as well as the past day's quota. Mm. And uh, to your point about disease being rampant, in a lot of the cells, they did what what, we, what was called hot bunking it, where mm. if a cell held, you know, had four beds, it might hold eight people because mm. while, you know, that four or those two or whatever were going into the mine, um, the other were in there sleeping and they would just switch out yeah so you didn't have clean sheets you had uh, whatever the illnesses were being brought back in they there was no real ventilation um you'd have people with tb in the same cell as someone who didn't Mm -hmm. um and so so there was no infection control and and to be honest even you know whether you're in the uk whether you're in america it was a very similar situation in the early part of the 20th century because there was no real knowledge on how these things were transmitted um in 1901 i found a newspaper report that said it currently held 634 prisoners and 37 had died between the time of 1899 and 1901 there is a reason i'm mentioning that um by 1917 the log said there was 730 inmates and in 1931 976 which is when it did seem to start growing as a prison the amount of inmates and obviously then when they built the stone start start stone side i put my teeth in the stone side it it did expand and became a lot bigger now you and i were discussing this um 
beforehand, but there have been deaths at the prison. I mentioned between 1899 and 1901, they were 37. And you were telling me about the cemetery that's the graveyard that's out the back, how many bodies that has in it. Yes. Um, Yes, there's... uh, So, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, um, it was a wood prison, and then it, it ended up burning... Mm-hmm. And when it was built, you know, the the prisoners were the ones who actually built all of it. Mm. Um, but, uh, yes, in, in that cemetery, it's kind of, it's on the property, but it's, it's kind of off the property and up in the mountains mm-hmm. there. And, um, yes, from, from the accounts that I had found, uh, there are 400 uh, men of unclaimed bodies in, in mm. that cemetery. Right. Because one of the things that I, when I did a Google, because when I start doing my research, the first thing I do is I Google the place Mm -hmm. I'm researching just to see what throws up at me. So I can see some of the facts and I can start looking into seeing if they're plausible or not. And one of the ones that kept coming up at me was that Brushy had had over 10,000 deaths in the hundred or so years that it was a facility. A, a, a corrections facility and mm-hmm. and I started to sort of roughly work that out in my head and I thought well that means it's got to have been around two a week from when it started now that's a pretty high death rate especially yeah. when you factor in and correct me if I'm wrong here but Brushy never had an actual execution chamber it never had a conventional death row with the execution room at the end of it is that correct correct that's correct. Yes, they did mm. have uh, death row inmates there, but they never actually executed anybody on the property. And the electric chair was actually shipped to Nashville. Right. So th- these ten thousand deaths that I, 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 I kind of I started going through records, newspaper records, everything else for the hundred mm-hmm. or so years that the prison was in in operation. And yes, I couldn't work out how that figure could have been arrived at. Because, you know, if we take pre about 1930, you know, that even best guess, you know, maybe 100 people had died. If there's only 37 who died in the two year period of 1899 to 1901, maybe an extra 100 or so to take us up to the the 30s when it became stone. I then started Mm -hmm. looking through sort of newspaper reports and I found a few. He'd died. I found in 1905 there was a chap by the name of Walter Luddy, Ludy, who died in a mining accident. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1931, there was a Lawrence Godney who was killed by Henry Baker there. In 1938, a chap by the name of Sam Sal- Salisbury, he was 18, was murdered by someone called Buzz McLean. Um, Sam had actually shot his 13-year-old fiance's mother in the face. Um, that's but whether that's why he was killed in prison, I don't know. But it wasn't a particularly nice one. Um, and and it's mm-hmm. but it seemed to go very very quiet in the newspapers for sort of incidents until the 1970s when it started to kick off again with race wars and a lot of the famous stabbings that I know a lot of television programs have mentioned. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, having visited there, having experienced it? What are your thoughts? Have is there that many restless personalities, shall we say, there? Well, you know that that's a very good point you bring up because I also had come across that number, and 
I actually didn't mention that in my video because I was doing some of the same research that you were doing. And the number just seemed really, really high to me, Mm. um, especially with the amount of prisoners that were in there, Mm. as well as um, the amount of time that passed. So um, there are definitely, definitely a lot of spirits in there. um, And with just the negative energy that surrounds that location, um, I have no doubt that there are definitely you know a lot of a lot of spirits um you know unless they were just keeping some of that information um as far as the deaths out of the papers you know whether it be you know deaths that were occurring at the hands of uh, the guards because there was a lot of uh you know due to the the flogging and the beating yes. um there was a lot of uh, deaths that occurred or a lot of uh, injuries and such that occurred that way, unless they were keeping them out of the papers and okay. unless they're also factoring in everything from the mining deaths to, um, you know, the, the sicknesses and such. Mm. I, I don't personally, I, I, I can't, you know, uh, qualify that many people, mm. but as an investigator uh, and a researcher, there are, there are definitely hundreds I would, I would, yeah. uh, say, yeah. um, yeah, property for sure. Yeah. yeah no, I, I say I couldn't even get near to a, uh, I, I, I know, I know you say what you say and there might be some deaths that would have gone un, almost unlisted. They wouldn't have been newspaper worthy. Um, mm-hmm. but I but think to a week, I mean, yeah, if, if that, you know, to average, to average that to a yeah. week is just almost unfathomable that yep. at some point, you know, somebody isn't from the state or somewhere else coming in. And, and I mean, because obviously, you know, one in in amount, uh, one in a year at a place during this time would absolutely be uh, world newsworthy. Yes. You know, yeah. Uh, if it was happening at the at the hands of the guards and such. But um, I just I just have a hard time believing that, uh, you know, there was that many happening without somebody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming in and, and yeah. drawing attention to that. that That's exactly my view. And, and, and say I did find reports, especially when, it tra- when the mining stopped in 1965. And then when it changed to be a maximum security in 1969 from what it was previously um there yes. this, this i think i found the article where the local your your senator had come in to do uh, an investigation on it because they wanted it suddenly the money was dropping off or i can't remember what it was i was reading but they they did do a formal investigation of everything and and i 
I think, you know, that that would have had to have been mortality rates would have had to have been part of an investigation that would have somebody would have said, well, hang on, why is there this many people dying? You know, even if it was proved to be, well, we just had a TB epidemic or influenza mm-hmm. epidemic or something. But they, they, it, it just seems 10,000 to me just seems to be a bit of a, uh, a headline grabbing number as opposed to one that's been verified. Yes, and I was looking, actually, uh, while we were talking about it, I was trying to look back at my notes to see where I had found that information. And just at a glance, um, I was not able to find that. I mean, it's not like a, a, a big common headline that I'm seeing. No. And I'm not even I can't even remember where I saw that, but I have that written down in my notes in the beginning and and as i said that's that's why i didn't actually even state it in my Mm. video just because it just it i just figured you would see more more on that at least that (laughs) number (laughs) exactly exactly i mean all right let's 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 look at your let's talk about your video as we said as, as i said i'm not saying this place was all hearts and roses it wasn't i mean when you start looking at uh, some of the the stabbing reports or stickings as they were called that i found from the 70s and 80s it's i mean there was a chap in march 1979 called marvin james winters who was basically attacked well he wasn't basically he was attacked in the sort of the food area with both somebody attacking with a butcher's knife and a meat cleaver um and uh, literally well, I can't think of a, a nice way of putting it. They sliced and diced him. Um, you know, things, things like that. I think they sh- chopped his arm off and, and something. They, they chopped him into pieces in literally minutes. Um, you had um, uh, Jack Jett, who was stabbed in the May of 1979 by a chap by the name of Jerry Ware, or Weir, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. You obviously had James L. Ray, um, the, mm-hmm. the, the famous the famous James L. Ray, who was actually, believe it or not, he was arrested at Heathrow Airport in London. Did you know that? Oh, I was doing... I, I didn't, didn't know that, actually. No, I didn't. He was arrested at Heathrow Airport in London by the Americans before he was taken back after he killed Martin Luther King. I, I didn't know that. I, I thought that was quite... Oh, there you go. There's a link. Um, but <laughs> um, he, he was stabbed multiple times, although he didn't die. Um, you had... Oh, there were so many of them, but a lot of them didn't actually die from the stabbings yes jack jet did yes um marvin winters did but a lot of them survived i mean the the reports i was finding there was a chap by the name of um, charles tiller who had his throat cut but he recovered you know and it's it's just like an awful lot of these happened but he he did end up dying in prison he got moved to another another prison and uh, died in 2004 after he succumbed to a head injury he'd been had when he was hit around the head with a bat in 1994 but you know, it wasn't actually at Brushy. But when you went there, because you're a brave, intrepid explorer <laughs> that you are, you decided to sleep in, was it D-Block you slept in? Or was uh, it a no, different it area? The area that they call the hole. That was the solitary confinement area at okay. the time. Now, you decided to sleep in there on your own. Yes. And you had a recorder going whilst you were asleep. Yes. Now, if anyone um, is listening who's of a nervous disposition, check your windows and doors are locked before we start telling you about this because it's it's when I listen to it, it it sent sh- I don't get scared easily, but it sent shivers up my spine, especially the fact that you were asleep yes. when this was happening. Tell us about it. 
Well, you know, because, because I'm traveling, you know, on my motorcycle and uh, going to these different locations and, and I'm there for, you know, at least five, six hours, if not longer, um, I'll always try to maximize my time investigating. But then because I'm having to usually travel back, um, I'll sleep a couple hours in the location as well. Mm. Uh, for me, I sort of feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty strong individual and, um, I don't get creeped out or scared very easy. Mm. And so one of the reasons I like to sleep at these places is the fact that I, I feel like it sort of, you know, puts me in a, uh, a state of, um, uh, you know, where, where, well, I'll always leave, you know, my recorders and, and videos and stuff going, uh, recorders and cameras. And I feel like it, it puts me in kind of a, a more vulnerable state, if you mm-hmm. will. Yep. And so, um, this particular location, they call the hull, uh, for the reasons it's actually down in a building that is sort of set in a hole, uh, like you step down into it and, um, the sails, I mean, it's completely dark. Mm. Um, when, when I stayed in there, this was on actually my second time investigating the location. And um, it was not open as a commercial location at this time. I believe it was back in 2014 mm-hmm. when I slept there. And um, so, yeah, I just I took my recorder as well as camera and a sleeping bag, cleaned off one of the uh, little... Uh, bunk beds that they had in there and I think I slept for right around about three and a half hours and out of those three and a half hours I got three minutes and 15 seconds of what I would consider to be some of the best class A EVP evidence that that I've ever captured and it was just myself there were two other ladies there and it was the ladies that, uh, even though it wasn't opened as a commercial location, they were running paranormal investigations out of it before it actually opened. Mm-hmm. And um, they were asleep. You know, if if you look at a map of Brushy, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a good sized complex, mm. and the hole is actually not in the main building. It's right. it's behind the walls, and you've got to go through the courtyard, and it's right next to the chapel. Mm -hmm. Um, the laundry is also located right over top. So these two ladies were actually locked into the, uh, main office area. And so there was no one else on the property and definitely no men. Um, when I slept, I mean, I went into a pretty solid state of, of sleep Mm. while I was in there. And, you know, for me, that's probably the best i mean i've gotten footsteps at locations but that was by far the best foot footsteps that that i've ever captured um it's very echoey in there um because you know you because of all the metal and because you are down in that that hole but um i had i'd actually i wasn't sure where i was gonna sleep and what I like to do when I go is I like to keep an open mind and sort of let the location speak to me as to where I should sleep or where I should investigate. Mm. And uh, during that time that I was sleeping, I experienced everything from the uh, footsteps to um, that voice. I mean, and I, I mean, I was thoroughly shocked when I went back to listen to. <laughs> 
stuff because it was sort of like, well, if I'd known this was happening, I might not have rested so easy. But uh, the boys telling me what, what I thought sounded night-night, night-night or bye-bye, uh, I believe it, I thought it was night-night. And, um, and then, you know, after I, and I tried to document the time, you know, how, how long, you know, this, each of these, uh, EVPs happened, you know, after I'd been asleep. Um, I captured what sounded like I thought to be maybe prisoners between the, the walls talking to each other because mm-hmm. I got, a clear help me. And it was also sort of like this male garbly sort of voice. And, um, and then another whisper that said, help me. Um, you know, th- this area of the hole, I said it was, it was solitary confinement and, you know, they were kept in that area. It was deemed inhumane. Mm. Uh, there is rumor that it was used after, um, after it was deemed inhumane, they were still putting, folks in there Mm. i've heard up until the 80s i don't know if that's accurate because i think it was the 60s that they had shut that practice down Mm. Uh, i may have my my dates off on that but i know it was rumored that they were still doing that and you know they would be kept in there for days Mm. if not you know weeks yeah and when they would come out they couldn't couldn't speak i mean they couldn't see very well Mm. so um so I thought that maybe there was some of that I captured was maybe communication going on between the cells. Uh, there was also something that I found that was very uh, interesting to me on there. The only thing I could think it sounded like was it there was like five minutes of what sounded like somebody just sort of bouncing a ball against the wall. You just kind of heard this rhythmic just kerchick, kerchick, kerchick. And, you know, I don't know if it was a ball or, or what it was, but that's what that sounded like to me, as well as um, laundry going on upstairs. Hmm. Um, the industrial uh, washer and dryers were actually located over above this area. And at one point, I was when I was sleeping in there, it was actually early morning, um, mm-hmm. right around, I believe right around the... Seven, eight o'clock hour, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was was pitch black in there, and so I feel like some of the things that I was capturing on there could have potentially been a residual type haunting of just just the day to day stuff that was happening. I think if I had slept in there at three in the morning, it would have probably been wider as far far as the uh, actual sounds of the day-to-day activity yeah. going on but um yeah to me i mean it was some of the best some of the best evidence i think i've ever captured let's just clarify though the, the voice you heard that said night night or bye bye it wasn't like you'd say night night to your kid like i might say night night it was night night it was kind of so menacing yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was done in a nice weird. way <laughs> No, it it wasn't. And um, what was interesting about that? So that was that was filmed on my second trip there to Brushy Mountain. The uh, video that I put out was actually my sixth time going back there. Mm. And um, one of the things that was really cool is that when I went back into the hole and I was kind of addressing that, um, 
I was getting a voice, uh, and, and if, if folks go back and watch the episode, they'll see I was getting a voice. It was not that distinct, but it was it was clear, but it was almost like it was luring me back mm. into the same cell that I had slept in mm. um, because I we captured an EVP that said, um, I think it was like, come back to the corner or something like that. Mm. Um, and so that was actually where I had, had slept at. Um, that investigation was actually part the one where I had slept in the hall was part of a two night investigation. And on that second night, um, I had actually gotten, gotten scratched on the side of my neck. It wasn't even so much a scratch as it looked like, and it just appeared before our eyes. It looked like a hand that like, like if you're trying to choke someone or do Mm. like a, a burn yeah. um, by grabbing them. It was like this burned handprint that just sort of appeared on my neck. Um, and that was the second night after that. So I have no doubt that, um, you know, just by the nature of the location, that some of those spirits were, were definitely just a more aggressive kind of menacing sort of presence, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it it the sound of it did send shivers up my spine, and then I think there was there was another shot. Um, I think it was Chris who was saying you don't have permission to keep touching um, Miranda or something like that, which I I found it sounds my sixth sense of humour. I thought that was quite funny. Um, <laughs> you don't have permission to keep touching her, and I was thinking, okay, I don't know if they're going to listen, but. You know. Well, you know, that was that was a really cool experiment. I love to do different things when I'm at these these locations. And so that particular investigation, uh, that was the last time I was there. And we did do a collaboration there with Soul Sisters. And we got to do the Estes method. And mm-hmm. we actually did that in the uh, um, block where the Magnificent Seven had uh, that, that that event had occurred. Uh-huh. And so... Um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, if if you're too if you're familiar with the Estes method, but um, I wrote about it in my book. I had an inter- I got okay. an interview with Carl Pfeiffer in my book about oh, it. So yes, awesome. I am I am aware of the Estes method. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so um, so it, it was really cool to be able because most of the time I am investigating alone yeah. or just with my my uh, videographer, mm. and so um, so it was very cool to be able to do that experiment with with them and uh yeah it just seems like when you get in that sensory deprived state Mm -hmm. that you know anything and everything could happen and it just i don't know it um it was clear it it felt to me like something had sat down and i could feel it I, i was hoping the camera had caught it but being that it was dark it you know it didn't but i mean i could clearly feel like something touching my sleeve and mm. it felt like the sleeve was even moving yeah um like they were just kind of sitting there just kind of watching what's you know what's going to happen but uh yeah that was that was very cool to be able to do that and um yeah when she of course i didn't know that what they were saying and what uh she was asking of them um until after i went back and reviewed the footage but mm. yeah it seems like in those type situations the uh, that doesn't always work. <laughs> no, no, not in certain. No, I, I say I've done quite a few sensory deprivation type experiments and um, 
you if you get a spirit who's not going to listen, they ain't going to listen to anyone, uh, no matter how disciplinarian you are. But 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 with the prison, are there certain parts of it that feel okay, or does it all feel quite oppressive and and not unsafe? That's the wrong word, but um, let's just say your your uh, sixth sense is prickling a lot, or are there play parts of it that feel you actually think, yeah, I feel okay in here. For me, for me, there were a few areas such as that. And, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, when you talk to, uh, um, many different people about these different locations, you know, some people tend to be more drawn to some areas Mm. or, you know, feel, um, certain places are, are creepier than others, but there were a few places in there. Um, there were a few places I was drawn to, but a few places that I just didn't, you know, I sort of always felt like there was something just always kind of watching, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you weren't alone, but, um, I, I went up in, uh, Max now they've since, um, they've since, I don't know if they've condemned that area, but they've since, uh, they were going to tear it down, um, in, in max security up there. But, um, I was up there. I didn't, I didn't feel a thing when I was up there. It didn't even really feel, uh, creepy or menacing or anything like that. And, and you would think being maximum security that it would, would be maybe one of the worst, but Mm. that would be one of the areas that I never really felt anything. And up until, the last two times I investigated there, I never really felt very much in the gymnasium. Right. Um, it just kind of felt like an open room. And, and honestly, up until those last two investigations, I never really investigated a whole lot in there just because I never really felt a whole lot from it. But um, my second to my last investigation there had a really cool EVP session with, a guy that uh, we believed he was in his um, upper 40s mm-hmm. and he had told us that he had killed his brother and it what was really interesting about that is it seemed like after that experience in the gymnasium that that guy followed me around the majority of the rest of the investigation I kept getting EVPs from this guy and kept getting answers from this particular guy that we had encountered in there. And then on my last investigation with soul sisters, we actually were able to catch, uh, Christy saw something. We were using a glow in the dark balloon Mm -hmm. and the SLS camera. And she actually saw what looked like a uh, shadow figure move across. And right at that moment, I captured a figure on the SLS and we were actually able to capture Christie's reaction, the blip on the SLS and also the shadow mm-hmm. moving across the balloon all on uh, our camera at one cool. time. So that was, that was a very cool experience cool. Um, there in the gymnasium. Um, probably honestly, one of the most, for me, the most coolest experience as well as, um, probably one of the most telling I I saw my first shadow figure ever there and that was the night after that I had slept in in the uh, hole there we were doing 
so Brushy had invited that second night. They had invited. It was over Easter weekend, mm-hmm. and we were trying to experience, experiment and see if maybe the holiday weekend had any type of effect on the activity there. And so they had invited several teams uh, to come in and investigate. So there was three teams there, and we were all up in the commissary area. And what was what was really neat about it is several of these teams had done different lives. And so they had done the lives and one team in particular had just come off of, of a long life. There's not a lot of service there. So mm-hmm. you can't really I think maybe that's improved. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of cell phone service. Yeah. So um, you couldn't stay live in a lot of different areas there. But we were in the, the commissary. There was nine people, three teams. And uh, we were doing this really cool flashlight EVP session, and uh, the flashlight kept, st- you know, turning on. It didn't want to turn off, and so we had these different recorders sitting around. So we were actually kind of really able to triangulate where this voice comes from, and so of course there's no cameras going. So of course that's when you're going to catch some of your coolest evidence is when Mm. there's no cameras or recorders going. Yep. Uh, But we actually had the audio going and we're asking questions about turning the flashlight off and everything. And all of a sudden you hear this voice, three recorders caught it. You hear this male whisper say, watch this. And then you hear all of us screaming and I'm screaming in excitement saying, Oh my gosh, did you see that? And what we all actually saw was in the beam of the flashlight where it had been turning the flashlight on and off. Mm -hmm. The flashlight is, is casting, you know, there's a lot of shadows around in the room. So you've got this ambient light from the flashlight on the floor where the flashlight is shining down the only the best way I can describe it is almost like a little cyclone and you could see the dust but it was just sort of like this little spinning little cyclone looking thing Hmm. and then you see what looks like a head and shoulders shadow being cast from the flashlight and it literally moves across the floor this head and shoulders so it was like the Whatever apparition or shadow figure that was there was casting its own shadow, which was was really cool. And none of us saw it. And so we didn't actually hear the voice say, watch this until we Mm. were going back and reviewing the evidence. So to be able to, you know, a flashlight going off is one thing, Um, you know, one tool going off is one thing. But when you can actually couple that with uh Activity, an EVP, and the reactions of nine different people, that was pretty incredible. And mm. I have, to this day, I've never seen anything else like that. And I've only ever heard it described um, that same way by one other person. And that was a lady that I met up at the Lizzie Borden house. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was that was a pretty incredible exper- experience. And we had been doing um, leading up to that, we have been some of the experiments we have been doing were uh, Native American based, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if that's sort of what brought that out. But between that and sleeping in the hole that weekend was definitely an epic investigation that yeah. uh, I, I've I've never experienced 
that type of activity since. Do you think, do you think the fact that you're women going into a male prison, you're more likely to get activity that's less testosterone filled, shall we say? Do you get what I'm Um, saying? I do. I do. You know, I think it's possible. Um, I think it does bring about some different activity. But, you know, there was there was so much negativity going on, even from, um, you know, the not just having, you know, male prisoners in there, but, you know, guards, um, you know, some of the, the deaths and such were, you know, guards killing other guards and mm. and that sort of thing. Um, I feel like... I feel like we, some of the stuff we experienced were was based because you know being females, mm. um, but on the other hand, because you are in a male prison, um, you know, because there were some that were in there that probably didn't like females and didn't yeah. like us in there. Some may may approach it from a more, um, I don't know. Uh, trying to think of my words they some may approach it from uh, talking to us more because we are females yep uh, and then some maybe because they're they're wanting to assert their dominance I, I i think it i think it just really just depends there's just such a variety of 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 uh, activity in there that that you're just i don't know you just never know what you're going to get and some could be based on the fact that we're we're female Mm. Yeah, I just wanted to say I wondered it's it's not something that I've ever sort of really thought about too much but I would have thought that you know that, that there would be a chance if if men it's like if when when I used to work in a pub if I was breaking up a fight between two men it was mm-hmm. a lot easier as a woman than one of the male staff trying to break it up because they'd all go oh sorry love and they'd it's almost like they'd stop but and I just mm-hmm. wonder if that if some of the not all of them obviously because some of them might have been in there for crimes against women but I, I just wonder if if a bloke came in and started sort of calling out they might be a bit sort of like you know stuff you sort of thing or other words to that effect but whereas a woman it might be a bit more sort of uh, amenable because they want to impress her that i think in some instances yes i've actually out of the times i've been in there i've i've investigated alone mm. i've been in there with teams um, you know, I was in there with an all-female team, mm. and then I was also in there with a mixed gender team. Mm-hmm. And on that mixed gender team, there was a Hispanic guy. Mm-hmm. And I believe part of the activity we got at that point, um, because the the there was so much racial tension yeah. in the yeah. different parts um, of the century. Um, he was getting called out. We captured some nasty EVPs mm. um, with this Hispanic guy. And um, so I, I believe that may have potentially been um, guard activity. Possibly. Yeah. And then I was also in there. One of the uh, uh, guys that was in there, he was actually, uh, he was homosexual. And he actually ended up getting a a welt across his back. We were mm. we were in the uh, auditorium, and it just appeared like it was almost like a, a like he'd been hit with a belt. Mm. And you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that could have been a guard or if that could have been um, 
one of the prisoners. And then I've also investigated in there with uh, a guy who was a uh, police officer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen such a variety and, you know, I have no doubt whatever grabbed me and left that hand mark on my neck. Mm. Um, I feel that was, was probably a male prisoner that just did not, um, did not care for, for females maybe, maybe in there because he had done a crime against a female, mm. but, um, it's, it really just runs the, runs the gamut and it depends yeah. on where you're at in the prison. Right. So which area of the prison would you say was the most intimidating? Aside from maybe the hole because of what it was. Yeah, I would probably have to say um, probably the auditorium. Right. Um, the auditorium or the commissary. Um, mm. For me, some of the some of the darker activity that we experienced, and it's, it's kind of shifted in the prison. I know at one time, um, D-Block was a pretty sort of negative area Mm -hmm. Uh, and they were always warning people not to necessarily go in there till the end because whatever was in there would follow you around Mm -hmm. Uh, from D block. uh, From what I had heard, maybe some of that activity had sort of migrated over, but whatever has been in the auditorium has always been sort of a little more nasty and a little more negative Um, for me. That area there is probably one of them that gives me more, um, more, uh, I'm a little more, uh, reserved as far as going in there, wow. that area. Wow. Well, I, I've got loads of other things I could talk to you about, but we'd end up talking for about three hours, I think, with some of the things that I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking about the place, but it, 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 I think one of the things with it that definitely I wonder is, why it had such a dark reputation when is it something to do with the area you know we mentioned about the devil's triangle we mentioned about the negative energy possibly from that has it permeated and has it affected is that why there were so many attacks at the prison is that why you know they had race wars they although a lot of places had the race wars but is that why you know, it's so infamous for um, some of the just the sheer nastiness, as you say, from guards as well as 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 prisoners. But you know, that would all be just speculation because we can't, you know, right. we can't tell for 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 truth. But I, I just I just wonder if there is something going on. If it's like a, there's a ley line or something that's that's causing this bad juju, for want of a better term. Well, and when you look at it too, um, you know, you can look at conductors, you know, mm. of um, of different type of activity. You know, you are in this stone building, mm. and there are a lot of underground springs mm-hmm. and such in the area. All of all of those are good conductors of activity um and and just just the sheer uh geography Mm -hmm. of of that whole area you know they um uh they created the the barclay marathons you know based on james earl ray's attempted escape from brushy mountain yes (laughs) i didn't know that It, Sorry, yeah, I shouldn't it, laugh because he was hor- he's, he, he he committed a heinous crime, but that, that's quite funny. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, if you if you look uh, look up the Barkley Marathons, uh, it's it's a pretty interesting uh, race that uh, takes place there in the mountains because you know they thought that Ray should have gotten further mm-hmm. than what he got. I mean, he he didn't get very far because I mean the terrain there is just uh, I mean it's extremely steep, it's extremely dense, and so. Um, yeah, look up the Barkley marathons, but the general mm-hmm. gist of that is the it's it's a marathon. I want to say it's um, uh, I forget the the mileage. I want to say a hundred miles in twenty four hours, and you only you can only do it based on lottery, and uh, you you know put in for uh, for the lottery to be chosen to to do this run, and um, it's it's a maze through the mountains there um he tears out pages of a book and you're supposed to run this course you don't know what time it's going to start there's only been i think 13 or 15 people that have actually completed it and people come from all over all around the world and so you've you don't know when it's going to start basically there's this time frame and you have to wait he he lights a cigarette and he blows into a conch shell that alerts the runners to get ready. And when he takes a hit off of his cigarette, that's when they're supposed to start. And I mean, they're running through just this dense forest and, and they don't necessarily know the way they've got to find these pages out of this book that gives them clues of how to, uh, how to how to complete the run and wow. so it's based on uh yeah it's based on ray's escape because he thought well you know if i had gotten out i could have got a lot further you know um but uh not very many people <laughs> not very many people have so so it's a it's an interesting thing that came out of it it's intriguing <laughs> intriguing well i told you she was cool didn't i I told you she was the epitome of cool, and you you you've not even seen her on her bike. She mentioned um, Hellsbar Dam, Hellsbar Dam earlier. Well, didn't you do an ex uh, a paracon there recently? You actually rode your bike into the exhibition hall. Isn't was it that one I that did. you did? Yeah, I told you epitome yes, that... of cool. <laughs> that is just what I thought. If, if I was doing a paracon with you, Miranda, and we were on stalls, and I saw you riding up next to me on your bike, I, I would just be standing there with my jaw on the floor, like, I, "Wow, <laughs> that is that is amazing. That is awesome." Yeah, that was that was very cool. Um, yeah, we were able to. Uh, uh, you know, we we had limited you know restrictions due to uh, due to COVID, or it would have mm. probably been. Um, a very, very sold out event, but yeah, it was a paracon there inside the dam. They actually let me ride the bike into the powerhouse, make a big grand entrance. Mm-hmm. And, um, then, you know, we had uh, a couple of us, there were three of us that were special guests. And so we were able to give presentations and then the VIP ho- ticket holders, did a uh, ghost hunt with us that night. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I think that's the best interest or best entrance I've ever been able to, to do at an event. It was, that, it was just very cool. It was very cool. I saw the video of it and uh, I was like, that, that is an entrance. That is the perfect 
the perfect entrance. Uh, I'm just glad you didn't like drop the bike or anything as you were doing it because that would <laughs> that wouldn't yeah. have looked good, <laughs> or that your throttle didn't nope. stick open as you went flew through the other wall. <laughs> Those moments when everybody is watching you, that's when, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, don't do something stupid. Don't drop the bike. Don't <laughs> don't stall it out. You know, I was thinking that the whole time because I was like, here's, you know, these people I'm riding in and sh- sure as anything, I'm going to end up either stalling it out or, or go to park it and somebody's going to walk in front of me or something and I'm just going to lay it over and have an audience for it. But thankfully everything went well yeah Uh, but i was thinking that the whole time (laughs) (laughs) so where can people catch you to follow your work my love where can they go and see what you're up to absolutely the the best way to to find me is um on facebook that's where i'm the most active under Mm -hmm. ghost biker explorations but you can watch my first and second season as well as any of my live videos um or you know different moto vlogs and such that i've done you can watch those on the ghost biker explorations facebook page also on the ghost biker explorations youtube channel or you can uh, follow along through uh, my website at www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it because we did yeah. have to we had to rearrange this because I had some personal issues I had to to see to, and Miranda was incredibly gracious in letting me me rearrange it uh, for a few days later. Yes. So thank, thank you, you ever so much. Me. Fancy coming back on again next year? Maybe we'll talk about the dam or something like that. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. If you'll have me, I would love it. <laughs> well, well, we'll make sure we only talk for half an hour about music this time round. Or, <laughs> or maybe we'll talk about the history I, of music on air or something. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. Well, I enjoy it. It's always nice to, to get to know another side of, uh, of, of, you know, podcasters and different people you meet doing this. So it's really cool to get to see that other side and get to take that time to discuss. So I really enjoyed it. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Miranda. I do really appreciate your time. That was Miranda Young of Ghost Biker Explorations. Um, And she really does ride the bike we were talking about. I promise you, it's not, it's not fake. She really does ride it. And it is a stunning looking bike as well. Go and check her out. Well, that's it really for another show another episode of haunted histories i do hope you enjoyed it if you do have any questions about what we were talking about feel free to drop me a message at haunted histories or go directly and ask miranda a message at ghost biker explorations i'm sure she'd be happy to answer them but on that note on that note thank you for listening have a good evening sleep tight And don't worry too much about things that go bump in the night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.